news, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ho, ho, ladies and gentlemen. Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, we are pre-recording this, so I'd be lying to you if I said we've already experienced the holidays yet. I don't know what's under the tree for myself yet. <laughs> Lauren, uh, is there any holiday tradition that you do before we get started here real quick? Mm, is there any holiday tradition? Well, lately it's been the Mavs on Christmas Day. So mm, okay, this Very year nice. we're going to keep Lucky it going, you. which is going to be a struggle because they play at nine. Right. So in uh, is it, is it at home? I don't think so. Let me double check. I don't think it is. Um, but yeah, the I would say our Christmas Day kind of traditions, like or not even Christmas Day, but yeah, yeah, it's at Phoenix. Um, right. We keep it low key. We keep it very like low maintenance, and I mm-hmm. prefer that because I, I yeah, I cannot handle the high intensity like craziness of like big holidays. So I agree. For me, agree. it works very well. What about you? You guys have any tradition? Some holiday traditions? Uh, as of late, I recently, you know, obviously got married, and usually what I do is I will go to my wife's uh, cousin's house and mm-hmm. I watch basketball with the guys there for the entire day, just drinking and could be better? watching basketball. So yeah, what's that your is drink my, of choice? Uh, mimosas are my <gasps> drink of choice what a on Christmas. Guy. On Christmas only, though. I don't. Re- I'm not regularly going out really? there and getting mimosas. So uh, Christmas mimosas is like a thing we do. Um, yes. Okay. So we're one. here for the people who are listening on Boxing Day to talk about the NBA awards. Okay. Um, we're just going to go through our predictions, what we think, what what might be. Uh, we will start with Rookie of the Year, which really comes down to two people here and that is Chet Holmgren versus Victor Wembanyama just to kind of run through everything to kind of give you guys an idea obviously Chet Holmgren is on the Oklahoma City Thunder they have the second best record in the Western Conference the San Antonio Spurs not so much they're near the bottom of the Western Conference but Wemby he is he has more points than than Chet Holmgren 19 points per game more rebounds 11 rebounds a game more assists more steals more blocks but on the other side, Chet Holmgren is much more efficient than Victor Wembanyama is. He's pretty much nearly a 50, 40, 90 type of player. And his counting stats aren't as crazy, aren't, aren't as, uh, as bad. You know what I mean? They're like, it's not too big of a difference between him and Wemby. He's still averaging 16.9 points, eight rebounds, two steals, nearly three blocks per game compared to Wemby's three blocks per game. And he's also doing it impacting the game much more than Wemby has so far this season in terms of the on-off metrics, in terms of the VORPs and DPMs and all the catch-all metrics that people like to use. Chet is much higher than Wemby in those. For that reason, Lauren, I'm going to say Chet Holmgren is the rookie of the year so far this season. Again, we're only a third into the year, so that could very well change. But Mm -hmm. given where his team is, given how much he's impacted OKC, given the efficiency... I think I would say Chet is the rookie of the year right now. How about you? Oh, gosh. I hate this race sometimes. <laughs> I am also on the same page with you that I think based on the current landscape of the NBA and how this award is treated, that yep. it has to be Chet Holmgren. 
but I, I, I've spoken about this before on here, but I think that it is sort of a flawed system. I do want to sort of ask you and I'll ask you here in a second, but I do have a bit of a problem with like, it's just, to me, this is not like, it's such an apples and oranges situation with like someone right. who's had an entire year in a professional environment, even just like, even from like a, a lifting weights and like preventative, like, Absolutely. um, exercise. So like, that is something that like really just always kind of like doesn't sit well with me. What are your thoughts on like from the player who gets injured his rookie year and is out the entire season? Do you think that it should be what it is right now? Or do you think it should be like, okay, well, you're no longer like you're, you shouldn't be qualified as a rookie anymore after that. Like, where do you stand on that? Or do you think it should be something like in the middle somehow? It's tough. It really is tough to say because Chet literally didn't play any games. Zero. Right. Uh, and sometimes they'll do it where like, oh, the player missed, uh, played in the preseason, but didn't play through the regular season. Like Julius Randle played in two minutes of his rookie year. And then in the, his second year, he was technically still counting as a rookie towards the rookie of the year race. So like, I think there are ways in which that works. To be honest with you, I think in Chet's situation, it does apply because he got injured in the summer. And so mm -hmm. he missed training camp, missed preseason, was not a available to be a part of that stuff. And then mm -hmm. through the bulk of the season, he was on that like little wheelchair thingy, the one, <laughs> one leg wheelchair thing, like walking <laughs> that way. So I do think, to be honest with you, that he does, he is a rookie. Now, to be fair, I agree with you. The weight training, the diet, the regiment, being in an NBA team in general Studying, gives you perks. Yeah. But at the same time, Wemby was on a professional team. And so like sure. I and then we can go back and forth, right? Like we can go and say, well, Wemby had great, you know, facilities in, in Europe and whatnot and all that stuff. And like we can kind of debate back and forth on this thing. I think ultimately it is sort of beauty is in the eye of the beholder in this situation and how you're going to weigh it towards Chet or against Chet. Um, but I think even given that Chet has been the better player this season. And to be fair, Wemby has been awesome. Wemby will probably be the better player to finish their careers. Maybe not. Who knows? I'm not trying to get Thunder Man fans mad here, but at the same time, <laughs> Chet is 21, Wemby is 19. There's also an age gap there, which is it, yep. it plays a factor. So I agree. It's tough to assess tough. the situation, but uh, I think in terms of just what they've been so far in their into their careers, it's probably Chet. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hard because I, on one hand, I want the rookie of the year race to be about who like right out of the gates like beginning of their career you're so raw you're adjusting on the fly you're having yeah. it all thrown at you who handles that the best and who performs the most and so that's where i kind of come back to you're not like this is not the same and so that is where my brain sits with it but there are probably flaws in that logic that i don't realize and i think that there are there are so many different ways to look at it but sometimes i do wish it were just a, a matter of like, cause even like the advantages of just sitting and watching film for a year with the training staff and like, Absolutely. you're obviously yeah. not physically playing, but like a, you're seeing things happening and like learning different things differently. And so I feel like you just have so many unfair advantages that maybe allow you to be more efficient or just, and so that's where I, I kind of struggle with it. But I think. In well, there's also NBA. the team context thing, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Shay, I, I mean, OKC is in such a better situation than San Antonio is where there's point guard problems and they've went through multiple starting lineup changes and they've right. went through like they obviously don't have the depth that OKC does and that hurts. And the defense has been a huge issue, whereas OKC has really good defenders outside of Chet Holmgren. So he doesn't have to do as much. And like, 
I agree. I think that is a huge factor in this, like what you prefer. Um, but it's tough. And it's and that's tough. where I think the rookie of the year conversation comes. I think I personally lean Chet because of the impact, because I think without yeah, Chet, take team. Chet out of the equation for OKC. I think they're probably about a five, six seed right now versus yeah. they're the second best team in the Western conference right now. And I think that yeah. matters a lot. He's a like huge. he's impacting Wemby. Um, yeah. Anyways. Okay. So him. rookie of the year, we got that down clutch player of the year. Now this is kind of like a weird award because we still mm-hmm. don't know like the inner workings of it and how it works. How I did it though, is I literally went to clutch uh, on NBAstats.com. I looked at who is impacting winning the most who is scoring the most, who is doing so efficiently. And I came out with two different names, Damian Lillard and Jalen Brunson. Those are the two names that I came out with. Dame is, um, I think he's scoring, let's see what it is here. He's scoring 5.6 points per clutch game. He, they've, the Bucks have played 14 clutch games. He's impacting the game. He's plus 3.6 in those minutes for them. Jalen Brunson, he is scoring 3.6 points a game, doing so a little bit more efficiently in the clutch. from the field, but his plus minus is plus 4.2. I would probably lean Dame, but I can hear arguments for Jalen Brunson, who has been absolutely sensational this season. I think there are very, very valid arguments given the three-point shooting, given what he means for them as an isolation scorer, how important he is for that Knicks team in clutch situations. Um that being said, I think I lean Dame just because he's gotten Milwaukee out of sticky situations so far this season. And uh, yeah, that's that's probably the way I would go about it. How about you? Yeah, I uh, I think Jalen could win the award, but okay. as of today, and it's hard because of the the point of the season that we're at right now. As of today, I think you have to give it to Dame, and this mm-hmm. is also an award like in the past that it's like, okay, this should be Dame's award in this specific year, but it's not because the Bla- Trailblazers are so bad. And I think yeah. now this is Dame's year to win this award, but. You know, if JB keeps taking steps forward and having some of the performances that he's been having as of late, and all of a sudden Dame maybe gets hurt or things fall off a little bit, I think that there's plenty of room, at least right now, that it's that close. But given the record, given the performance, given the impact in those moments, in those scenarios, right now I do think it has to be Dame. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And again, this is something that can evolve. I think De'Aaron Fox can get yeah. involved in this. Definitely. Um, there's other yep. guys who can get involved in this. It's it's going to be an interesting race throughout. There's like um, even Julius Randle, uh, like there, Ty, Trey Young has been really good in the clutch this year. Tyrese Halliburton has really has been really good in the clutch this year. So there's there's other guys that can get involved yeah. in this. And this this award again, it's new, so. How do we gauge this? How do we base this off of? Is it just guys who hit game winners? Like yeah. I don't know, you know. Like I could um, see, I could see towards the end of the year, like a couple of like in, within like the last two months, like somebody has mm-hmm. a couple of like big time, yeah. and that just gets a ton of coverage and it completely takes the narrative. Like I have no idea how this is gonna go. Yeah, neither do I. But Dame, it kind of makes sense for him to be a clutch player of the year. Like he deserves that type of war. Um, okay, six man of the year. This one is tough, man. Yeah, this is <laughs> tough. I I don't know where to start with this. Uh, there, I have a list of candidates here that I mm-hmm. have. So, Cole Anthony, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Emmanuel Quickly, Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, and Naz Reed. Um, so that's pretty much nearly the top uh, ten scores of off of the bench other than Tim Hardaway Jr. Shout out to your guy, Tim Hardaway Jr., who is scoring the ball and doing so fairly efficiently. Um, 
John. Off the bench. Okay, not efficiently at all, but I was just trying to give him some slack. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> regardless, okay? I, I think this is a really t- hard conversation to have because it's like, what do you value off of your bench, right? Is it that two-way presence, which maybe matches Emmanuel quickly and Naz Reed more? Or is it the just sheer scoring efficiency playmaking that a guy like Austin Reeves or Cole Anthony or Bogdan Bogdanovich brings? I don't know which way to go, to be honest with you. I really Mm -hmm. don't. And you could also say like impact, like sheer, if we are going just purely based off of impact, Isaiah Joe is the winner by a mile when it comes Mm -hmm. to this, just because Mm -hmm. his on off numbers off of the bench are ridiculous. I think my opinion Personally, what I would go for is Cole Anthony off of the bench for the Orlando Magic. The reason I say that, 15 points a game, he's doing so with the best efficiency of his career, nearly a 50-40-90 guy. It's 48-38-85. The free throw shooting is a little bit down this year. He's also averaging a career high in assists this season, and he's doing so impacting the game in a massive way. They, The Magic themselves have missed out on... Uh, Markel Fultz, they've missed out on, you know, kind of got Jalen Suggs has been in and out of the lineup. So he hasn't necessarily been that bench player too much, but he, he, he has technically started. Uh, sorry, he has played off of the bench for literally all of their games. I take that back. So I'm going to go ahead and say Cole Anthony is the guy that I would select for six man of the year. And I feel wrong already saying that because I'm like, man, Malik Monk, I watch him every night. And he's just carving up teams. He explodes. Mm-hmm. He finishes games. He's incredible. Bogdan Bogdanovich, same thing. Emmanuel quickly is way too good to be coming off of the bench. Like, it's tough. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think right now, my gut, based on where the magic are, would say Cole Anthony. How about you? Oh, this one, <laughs> to me, this one was like by far the hardest. This one was yeah, the hardest hard. for me because there's so many directions and I, I, it's like I hate to be dismissive off the bat of certain guys, but I kind of like that's the, that's how I'm gonna narrow it down. So like for me, Bogdan, even though he's leading bench scoring right now, like the Hawks, to, it's not cutting it for me, you know. And right, so right. I kind of rolled him out a bit. And so I do. Uh, it's so hard because as much as I want to say Tim Hardaway Jr. so bad, <laughs> and I wanna I wanna make the point that like the team record, even though Orlando like came out swinging, the Mavs have lost only one more than both Sacramento and Orlando right now. Right, that being right. said, I have to give it to Malik Monk. Malik Monk is my vote. I do think nice. that Sacramento their team record kind of took some hit with Darren Fox not being available, and I think overall their their team record is going to kind of, they're going to be able to kind of separate themselves within maybe that tier two, maybe tier one. I don't know, but I do think that Malik Monk is going to be a huge part of that. Now that you add the deer and Fox piece of how they operate, there's not as much of a scoring need from someone like Malik Monk. He's also leading uh, the league in bench assists and assists uh, coming off the bench, uh, which is not easy to do for someone who's like so known for, for the scoring and the hot shooting and kind of who he's been able to transform into. I think, We've kind of seen this part of this side of Malik Monk since he's been in Sacramento and sort of the evolution of his game. But I just think that overall, we're going to see a positive trend in team success for Sacramento. And what he's been doing this year is really special. And so as much as I want to say Tim Hardaway Jr., as much as he's been so, so instrumental, just as Cole Anthony has been for Orlando's success, I have to say Malik Monk. So I'm going to change my mind. You convince me. 
I, I think did I'm I? gonna change my wow. mind. Yeah, you, you did convince me. I I because like I'm just looking Pulls at the numbers good. and looking. It just it's so tough. It's and hard. Then, it's so hard. Like Chris Paul is leading all bench players and assists right now with seven point one, but Malik oh. Monk has has benched has been has no. But to to your point, he's come off of the bench oh, more than Chris Paul has. Um, and you know, he's averaging 5.2 assists per game. He's impacting the game at a positive level, doing the 15 points per game more efficiently than Cole Anthony has. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll give it to Malik. I, I agree. I think Malik. Yeah. Should thank you it. for correcting um, me on the Chris Paul assists. I've no, no, that. no, you're good. You're good. It's just, I think it's just like whatever the limit was you set for it, yeah. how many games they're supposed to play I or whatever. Reset and I was like, Oh, there's a pretty big gap there. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Malik but Monk for six man of the year. Uh, let's do coach of the year. So coach of the year. Okay. I feel like there's like two candidates to be honest okay. with you. Uh, but there, I, I can hear arguments for other guys. I settled on either Chris Finch of the Minnesota Timberwolves or Nick Nurse of the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm. Uh, the reason I say Nick Nurse and the reason mm. I bring it up is because the way that the Sixers defense has looked uh, under Nurse has been really, really good. They've done a great job of, you know, kind of cross matching and also making sure that regardless of what defensive scheme they're throwing out there, they are keeping Joel Embiid near the paint. And that has led to one of the best defensive seasons from Joel Embiid. He's been an absolute monster on that end. I think their perimeter defense has been good too. Credit to Nick Nurse, who is a defensive tactician for bringing out the best in this team on defense. Again, like back to our conversation about with Lauren, it's like, you know, uh, sorry, with Caitlin is like, you need to have with Lauren, Lauren is right here with me with Caitlin. Um, <laughs> you need to have the talent to be able to have a coach to execute the things that he wants to, and he can uplift that talent. I think Nick nurse is doing that. Now, that being said, Chris Finch is also doing that with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have the number one defense in the NBA right now. They've looked incredible defensively. I think they have the talent to do so, but he has also elevated that. I think their offense is getting better and better as well. And as there is structure to their offense, it makes more sense to me. I think I'm leaning Chris Finch for coach of the year. So that is my pick. Okay. Where, do, where do you land on that? Do you have none of them? I might have none of them. Okay. All right. I have what a do bit you of a, maybe a curveball for you? I I've got Mark Dagnall here. I think right no, that's now, a fair pick. yeah. What what OK, OKC has done this year? Obviously, Shea was phenomenal last year, but being top ten in offensive rating, top ten in defensive rating, top five yeah. in net rating, top ten in pace. They're just they're doing and potentially having the scoring title leader. Maybe we'll see TBD with with Shea um, and just having certain guys fit their role so well. Also, even like they've had some some off the court challenges to overcome as a team. So I think what they've done deserves a lot of credit. And to be top ten and top five in some of those category and and all of those categories is very very difficult to do, especially in the Western Conference. And so for me, it was between Mark Dagnall and Chris Finch. I I just I don't know. I'm not quite there with Nick Nurse, but that's just maybe my own skepticism of Philly right now. I think Dagnall has a really, really good uh, case for this too. I, I, did, I didn't mean to like dismiss his case by any means. I think um, there's just like, there's so much talent. It felt sort of inevitable, inevitable with OKC to get to this level. Maybe I didn't feel yeah, that way about that. Philly or Minnesota in that sense. So that's why I went with those guys. But I, I hear the argument with uh, OKC and Dagnall. Okay. Uh, most improved player award. 
Huh. You know what? Actually, let's skip that for a second. Let's let's go to defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year. <laughs> okay. um, that, that I think also really hard. Yeah, I know. Most improve is hard. Uh, defensive player of the year for me is Rudy Gobert. Uh, and I think he's going to win this most likely unless there's something cataclysmic that happens with Joel Embiid and he changes the trajectory of this season for the Sixers to be like become like the number one defense in the league. Joel has been incredible this mm-hmm. year. Anthony Davis has been incredible this year. I need to give love to those guys who have been absolutely insane on the defensive end. But Gobert has been the anchor of the number one defense in the NBA. Also, I think he's had his best defensive season this year with the Timberwolves. And that's crazy given the fact that he is a three-time defensive player of the year. He is swallowing shots at the rim. He's gotten better at, uh, you know, kind of being out in space against guards. For me, it's Rudy this season. Uh, just because his team is performing well, he's doing a great job at it. He's a great monster at the defensive glass too. So yeah, it's Rudy for me. Yeah, it's it's Rudy for me too. And for me, this is one that I don't really, I, I, I'm not going to say it's not close, but for me, this is the one that has more of a gap because of mm-hmm. how much I weigh team success into defensive player of the year. I would say that is like probably the most consistent I am from year to year when I'm picking awards, the defensive okay. player of the year and the, t- the role in team success is like, to me, that is, that is it every single year. And so it, you, you hit the nail on the head with really every reason why I think it's, it's Rudy. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, okay. Most improved player award. MIP, uh, the most improved player. And that is, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways we can go about this. I came down to three players. Okay. There are just three players for me that are in conversation for this. Kobe White, Tyrese Maxey, and Scotty Barnes. If you look at their comparables, which is like last year compared to this year, um, last year, Scotty was averaging 15 points per game. This year, he's averaging 20. He was averaging nine rebounds, uh, seven rebounds last year. He's averaging nine this year. He's averaging a career best in assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. He's also dominating in terms of impact metrics. Very, very good case for Scotty Barnes to win most improved player. He's literally career best in every category, has become a great scorer, great shooter uh, so far this season. Tyrese Maxey, though, is looking incredible, <laughs> like genuinely incredible. <laughs> yeah. um, he is averaging six more points per game this season. He's averaging one more rebound and he's averaging nearly four more assists. He's averaging, let's see, about the same assists, About sorry, about the same steals, about the same blocks, but his ridiculous efficiency uh, in terms of shooting is crazy. 46% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from uh, the free throw line. Tyrese has become th- one of the offensive engines in the NBA and like the second leading scorer on a really, really good team. I don't know how to differentiate mm-hmm. this. And I'm, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to dismiss Kobe White's case. Kobe has been incredible as well. He nearly doubled. Yeah. He actually has doubled his points per game total. He is averaging career highs in rebounds, averaging career highs in assists, doing so efficiently. And he's shooting 42.6% from three, which is well above his career average. So like no question that Kobe White has taken a leap this year as well. No question that Tyrese Maxey has taken a leap this year as well. No question that Scotty Barnes has taken a leap this year. In terms of if you're asking who took the biggest leap from what they were last year compared to this year, it's probably Kobe White. And if we're going by the definition of most improved, most being biggest, right? 
you could probably say Kobe mm-hmm. White because he went from like a backup point guard to a guy who can legitimately be a starting point guard on a team. Bulls have been seven and three in the time that he's been the starting point guard for this team. Really, really good for them, right? Um, right. But Maxi has went from like okay, fringe all-star level player to he's going to start in the all-star game this year. Uh, he might be on, on an all-NBA right. team this year. Uh, and in fact, maybe he is on an all-NBA team this year. Scotty has went from, you know, fun top 50-ish player to he looks like he probably <laughs> will make an all-star team this year. So how do you differentiate between those two uh, or between those three? I personally have am having trouble. Where do you land on that? Yeah. So I think Tyrese Maxey will end up winning this award. My vote is for Scotty Barnes. And the way I differentiated it is because when you look at Tyrese, or I should say Kobe more than than Tyrese, Kobe's jump has been Mm -hmm. incredible to see. Um, But given the state of where they are and the opportunity that he's gotten in his minutes increase, you have to kind of anticipate a natural, like organic, okay, more opportunity you are going to get, your your stats are going to get better. However, like the jump that he has made is full credit to him, not just because of the opportunity. Um, with Tyrese, James Harden's out of the picture. You're very obviously right. going to get more reps, more points. So you're going to get that. I think the team success right now is why Tyrese Maxey is going to, and also the narrative is why Tyrese is going to win this award. But Scotty Barnes has yeah. had really no change in his minutes. He's had no change from year to year. The three-point shot is like that from year to year. The change from year to year is wild to me. Like that, it completely changes things for the Raptors. And then, like you mentioned, the jump in all of the other categories, that to me is like you. what you mentioned. You've gone from being kind of an, oh, you're a really intriguing young player. Like what's your ceiling? Like that's really fascinating to now, oh my God, this guy is already shooting over five threes a game almost 40%. Like that's a, that's a huge, huge change in someone's yeah. game, especially the kind of six, nine with the wingspan. So to me, that is something that changes the trajectory of a franchise in terms of who having a guy say, similar to the Lowry marketing. When you have a guy that you see really makes a jump and sort of establishes himself, not just as a franchise cornerstone, which Tyrese has done. Like, I don't want to say cornerstone when you have someone like Joel Embiid, but all of these guys have, establish themselves as key pieces of their franchise but to me the jump that scotty has made when you still have pascal on the team you still have or you you still have og and you really haven't had any increase in minutes or really change in minutes that is a big deal to me so to me that's how i differentiated this award that's why my vote is for scotty um so we'll see we'll see what happens First of all, Lauren, you have just landed yourself into the good graces of Toronto Raptors Twitter. We will be clipping this and putting it on social media and you will get thousands and thousands of followers saying, thank you, Lauren God. You are one of us. You are one of us. You are one of us. Um, you know what? I, I agree with you. I think I think Tyrese probably will end up winning this award. I think some people will argue that the leap he took in terms of going from, you know, started level player to like legitimately second option type of guy on a championship team is like a harder leap. Um, And yeah, yeah, I I guess that's the way people will rationalize the Tyrese Maxey most improved player award. I think it's fair to think that way. Uh, That being said, I think there is a, a, you you made, you made an incredible case for Scotty in the sense that his leap has just been astronomical this season. uh, And his usage hasn't really changed much. It was 18% last year. Right now it's 20%. He's averaging about 20% usage. So like, 
he's doing more with about the same. Um, and I think that's really, really impressive of him. I think, like you mentioned, the three-point shooting is like maybe one of the more astronomical leaps in terms of year to year for any player. Uh, so, it, I mean, we'll see if this sticks. Because if it does stick, Lauren, and if he is shooting like this for the entire season and he is putting up numbers like this and he becomes an all-star and maybe if Pascal gets traded or OG gets traded and he gets even more usage and puts up even more numbers, there can be a real case for him to to leap Maxi in this regard. Uh, and I think yeah, right maybe. now even there's a pretty good case for it. Uh, okay. Agreed with you there. Uh, MVP. Okay. Most valuable player. And I think really this comes down to four guys. Okay. Uh, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, it's tough because... Like, it's tough to consider the cases of Luka and Shea when Jokic and Embiid have been so mm-hmm. astronomically good, but we can't discount mm-hmm. their, like, just how good they've been as well. Luka, 32, 8, and 9. Right. He's shooting a career best, 37%. I, I mean, in terms of volume and efficiency, 38% from three. He's still a massive part of the offense, like just an incredible offensive engine unto himself. I'm sure you can go off and talk about it as well. SGA 35 and six leading the league in steals at nearly three a game. He's shooting well. He's doing things efficiently near the top of the league in terms of offensive and defensive impact. Same thing. Nikola Jokic, uh, he is 12 rebounds per game, 26 points, 9.3 assists, nearly a triple-double in terms of his averages, 1.2 steals, doing so efficiently. He's not shooting the ball as well as he was last year, so that's part of the ding on him. But again, impact metrics, there is none other like Nikola Jokic. But you look at Joel Embiid, who is leading the league in points per game at 35.1, also averaging 11.8 rebounds, a career-high six assists, 1.1 steals, two two blocks per game, 54% from the field. He's getting to the free throw line a bunch, 89% on those free throws, impact metrics out the window, everything just dominant. You compare the numbers I just said about Jokic and Embiid, and you kind of see why there's really no case for Luka and Shea, despite them having incredible seasons. Like, absolutely incredible, massive, it just mind-blowing seasons. And you look at the stretch that Embiid has had over this last week, which has just been freaking ridiculous what he's been doing over the last week. Um, Joel Embiid, let me pull it up for you real quick if my thing will load fast enough I will be able to tell you in his last five games. Okay. In his last five games, this is, this is his totals. Uh, in Minnesota, he had 50, uh, or against Minnesota, he had 51 points, 12 rebounds, three assists against Chicago, 40 points, 14 rebounds, six assists against, uh, I believe that's Charlotte. I don't know at SHO. Yeah. That's usually Charlotte, right? Um, SHO is Charlotte, 42 points, 15 rebounds, three assists against Detroit, 35, 13 against Detroit again, 41, 11. Now to be fair, beating up on some pretty bad teams. Okay. Beating up on some pretty bad teams, but that is what they are doing right now. I would say it is Embiid. Now, Lauren, you can maybe tell me why I'm wrong. I would love for you to tell me why I'm wrong and why it's Luka or why it's Jokic or why it's Shea. (laughs) But I think it's Embiid right now. Mm -hmm. And that's my case, that he's winning back-to-back MVPs. How do you feel? Yeah, I... 
Uh, and I would love for podcast sake to tell you that you're wrong, but I can't. I, I do think that it's Embiid. <laughs> and I, I, I want to just talk about Luca and Shea real quick because I do think that yeah. it's, it's one of those things that right now you can see that they're next up. They're very much next up, just like Jason Tatum is. He'll be right there. Um, but this year it's like, it's still the top is Embiid and Jokic. And it's like, nobody, as far as team success, the numbers, nobody is touching that right now. Um, and so to me, like you could, I mean, if you want to talk about Jason Tatum with the team success, but the numbers are just not right there with Embiid and Jokic. So to me, you can't, you can't lump him in there with them. Um, and so, I mean, same with Giannis, you could probably make a case for Giannis. The numbers are more there. The team success is more there. Uh, but he's missed some time. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but I think right now Embiid is a step above the rest right now. And I, as much as I want to say Jokic should always be like, considered i just can't help but feel like there's going to be this extreme voter fatigue and it would take like he's it's gonna take a minute or not a minute for him to win one again but he's just i don't see him winning one over Embiid at least right now and so um that saddens me because i think voter fatigue sucks but i feel like it's a very real thing and that's part of why Embiid is uh, just another thing that falls towards Embiid. i think with luca specifically as many as as much as i'm sure there are many people on this listening to this that would love to hear me say luca i think the mavs are about to hit a really tough stretch they've already started a tough stretch of poor performance losses like it's not a good stretch right now and the number of guys that they have unavailable they're gonna need to get those guys back before things really start to turn around and so i think this stretch right here is going to that much more like just take luca out of just the conversation a little bit and so i think uh that is gonna go against him and and i think you'll just sort of as assuming everything goes as is right now and that's doesn't seem like that ever happens but as is right now i i feel like Embiid is sort of the clear candidate for this one uh and we'll see sort of how things change as the season goes on you never know what trades can happen which things can completely change uh, a team's success and where they finish uh, but I guess we'll see. I think Luca's time is coming. I just don't think it's right now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I just think it's tough because those guys, Embiid and Jokic, and we didn't even talk about Giannis, who probably has a case in this as well, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's mm-hmm. Giannis who's involved in this. Definitely. You know, Tatum on the outskirts of things. It, it's really tough to to kind of rationalize who's going to be what in this MVP race. Mm-hmm. Um you look at team success for all those guys and you can't even wager on team success because all of their teams are winning and all of their teams are doing well. And like, yeah, maybe, okay. Luca is the, the Mavs are sixth in the West, but like being sixth in the West is kind of hard. And like to, to do that and pretty win games and the way that they've been injured and like they've missed out on guys and for them to consistently do that really, really impressive stuff. Like you can't take away the winning you know, in some years you could be like, oh, well, you know, Jokic was on an eight seed or whatever, or, oh, Russ was on an eight seed or whatever, you know, and I I think you can do that in certain years. And this year you can't just because all the teams are winning and doing well. Yeah. And those guys on those teams are just massive components of that. I think right now, a third of the way through the season, it's Embiid. Can that change? Absolutely. Like Jokic can have a stretch in a month where he does stuff like this, you know, the 40, 40 point games. And like now it's Jokic or Luca goes through an insane January and just like, you know, you're saying they're going through a tough stretch. What if the Mavs go like 10 and 0 and Luca is averaging 45, you know, like there, there's a world in which that happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, 
Absolutely. And like we we can't discount that. It is still a third of the way through the season. There's still a lot of basketball to be played. But as things stand, these are our award winners. Uh, MVP, we went to Joel Embiid. Defensive Player of the Year, we went to Rudy Gobert. Coach of the Year, I went Chris Finch of the Minnesota Timberwolves. You went Oklahoma City's Mark Dagnall. MIP, we both said Maxi, but it should be Scotty. Sixth Man of the Year, Malik Monk. Clutch, Dame, Rookie of the Year, Chet Holmgren. If you disagree, talk to your mama about it. I don't care. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Please let us know what you guys think. And, <laughs> and in general, and in general, please thank you for supporting the Objective Basketball Podcast. It is the holiday season. I'm fearing, I'm feeling cheery. So thank you so much for everybody who has listened to the Objective Basketball Podcast. We are thankful for you guys, uh, for the people who do listen, who do take the time out of the day to listen to us ramble about basketball. We really do appreciate it. Really appreciate your support. Uh, and we hope that you have the best of holiday seasons. Drink some mimosas, have some, watch some basketball, do the things you guys usually do. Uh, and from Lauren, from myself, thank you very much. Happy holidays. Anything else you want to say, Lauren? No, yeah, I think you, I mean, you hit it just happy holidays to everyone good luck to everyone staying up for that Mavs game on Christmas day hopefully it's a good one <laughs> I'm praying that it's a good one because right now I'm not feeling so good but uh we'll see it should be a good one so happy holidays to everybody okay. all right okay happy holidays folks thank you very much for tapping into the objective basketball podcast we will see you later this week we're going to talk about the all NBA awards which is grueling I can't wait all right let's do it take care Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.